You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of not just the Locked On Padres podcast, but also the Locked On Giants podcast. That's right. It's Locked On Crossover time. I'm being joined by Mr. Ben Kaspik. Sir, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm uh, excited. All the kind of off-season activity and uh, the qualifying offers and the options and stuff, it has kept us busy in the last couple of days. So uh, looking forward to hopefully activity throughout the off-season. But of course, the threat of the uh, collective bargaining agreement expiring is looming over everything. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, I forgot to introduce myself for maybe Lockdown Giants listeners or Lockdown Padres listeners. I am Javier Reyes, uh, sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, the host here of Lockdown Padres, written a bunch of stuff, a bunch of places, including just baseball. Um, and thank you for making not just Lockdown Padres, but Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Uh, we are free and available on all platforms. And yeah, man, I mean, it's it's been a crazy sort of playoff season. And now that we're done with that, I mean, in general, sports was just kind of nuts last week. Uh, all sports. Uh, baseball was nuts, too, in a variety of ways. But all sports was just crazy. And um, But we're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about specifically Mr. Buster Posey and MVP Hall of Fame, I should say, uh, discourse. Because once again, this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people, but uh, the baseball fans are at it again, Hall of Fame discourse. We seem to go through this every year, <laughs> and everyone keeps complaining, and vice versa, and blah, blah, blah. And we're back at it. We're back at it. Um, it's very exciting. But I want to, what we're going to talk about today is specifically Buster Posey, who of course retired, which was surprising to a decent amount of people, including myself, not necessarily everybody who retired, his Hall of Fame case, what it means to be a Hall of Fame player, since there seems to be a lot of misconceptions around it, and then the upcoming Hall of Fame vote and kind of our thoughts heading into that. Because let me tell you folks, uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be rabid. This Hall of Fame discourse this year. Like, if you thought last year, we'll hear this year. So, first, let's just start, man. First, and first of all, like, just initial reaction, quick, like, one sentence, like, to Buster Posey, like, retiring and kind of what he meant, you know, being a Giants fan. It's gut-wrenching in a lot of ways. And he didn't announce it before the season ended, so it mm -hmm. feels kind of like we didn't get a proper goodbye. And so... Mm -hmm. I legitimately, and I'm. it sounds funny, but legitimately have like gone through the stages of grief over this. <laughs> uh, denial, anger, uh, oh sadness, <laughs> all the different stuff. It, it's crazy. I mean, he's gone. It's just like, oh, and to me, a Hall of Fame player played for his whole career, and he's, it's just over without really a, a closure is how it feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that like, that's that's a really great point though, because you had you know there's so many other players. It reminds me of for an NBA comparison, Tim Duncan of the Spurs when he retired, he just did it, and he also didn't even like do a press conference. It was like a random paragraph mm -hmm. press release, like he just did it. Everyone thought it was probably going to happen, but even still, there was just this feeling of wow. I mean, first of all, it fits his personality. I wonder if that kind of fits Buster Posey's personality too. So not like a you know this isn't Fernando Tatis Jr. This isn't an an over the top personality. This isn't a Yasiel Puig. This isn't you know, some of these other guys that we've seen in the sport. This isn't a David Ortiz, but I will tell you, I mentioned David Ortiz there. Um, he went out on top. Uh, I will say that. So in terms of just the having a great season, he didn't have the Jeter, you know, kind of not dogging it, but just a really under, 
you know, what his usual standards are, just looking like kind of a former himself. Instead, he kind of had this elixir of life like the whole Giants team did and just had a really great season leading to a 107-win team that was literally nobody expected. I'd say it's one of the most surprising outcomes for a team that I've seen in my lifetime uh, watching baseball. Uh, maybe that year that the Pirates were good, but somehow didn't make the playoffs. That was also pretty wild. But for the most part, uh, just genuinely shocking stuff. And Posey was back. You know what I mean? Maybe we should have expected him to be good, but he was tremendous. Um, so at least he did go out on top like David Ortiz did when he was with the Red Sox that last season over there, uh, having a really good team, although I do hate Boston. Um, and now I have to ask you, like, let's get into the big crux of the conversation. Like, Buster Posey, is he a Hall of Famer? I think yes. What do you think? I'm going to be, I'm, I, I imagine what your answer is going to be, but <laughs> go for it. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. I don't really think it's that close. And to me, like the argument against him is generally coming from people who probably didn't see him play that often and, and are just kind of looking at probably mm-hmm. counting stats, which I'm not going to come on here and just say that those people are idiots, but I just happen to think it's not particularly close. And Mm -hmm. uh, the case for him is one when you incorporate pitch framing, for example, and you start to consider uh, the value that a catcher brings to the table that people need to consider. Like it it matters for something. And so an attempt to measure it, Mm -hmm. it's like even if we do a half uh, measure attempting to measure it, it still comes out the the added bonus of for example pitch framing that uh he adds by being a good pitch framer by all uh accounts is enough to clear any kind of hurdles that may have stood in his way if we don't even count it and to me it's like of course you have to count it uh we we have to think about defense defense is so critical if you're if he was just a first baseman he's not in it's not yeah. it's not just about the offense. It's the offense at that position. And it's also the fact that he was good at that position. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we have these, you know, people think of Omar Vizquel potentially as a Hall of Famer. And the reason is he was a really good defensive player at a premium defensive position, but he couldn't hit. Posey was a really good <laughs> defensive player at a even more premium position, arguably, and he could hit. And so, yeah, that for me is the is the argument we can talk about uh, wins above replacement, which you know is not a precise number, but at least it's attempting to count everything. And baseball reference, this is like a part of the larger discussion that we can have, but baseball reference doesn't incorporate pitch framing into its uh, war calculation. Fangraphs does, and that's why Fangraphs has Posey much higher. But like I said, even if you you know take a little bit off, you say, okay, maybe they're giving that too much weight maybe they're giving him too much credit even if you like have it you know take cut it in half the credit you're giving to the framing he still clears the hurdle so Mm -hmm. that's for me and watching him it's just obvious he was the best player on a team with three championships mvp rookie of the year uh perfect game caught two other no hitters caught uh silver sluggers all-star like it's just obvious to me yeah I think it's pretty obvious too and here's the thing so yeah you pick up the war stuff like on baseball reference it's at 44.9 which is still very high which is still very good especially considering the the amount of years that he played played he didn't play like years or anything like that this wasn't Bartolo Cologne or something like that but also what I like is just 
he also not just does he pass from a statistical point right he, he has the pitch framing he has really good powers for a catcher for the most part for the most of his career very or i should say very consistent power you knew what you were getting from him great batting average on base guy but he also passes from just the the moment standpoint this is a guy who like you said world series champion and by the way i think that this should count is that they consistently were beating teams that arguably were more talented than them i think that that matters for a, a decent amount is that you were part of these teams that beat the dodgers beat whoever the heck it was that you beat pretty consistently this year that didn't happen but they had that 107 game win season which i think has to be brought up to this you have to bring in the fact that we don't know how much did he help improve pitchers how much how helpful was it to have him catching behind them he wins an mvp which by the way like that's hard to do as a catcher. I think some people forget that sometimes. That's very hard. It's not like that happens uh, fairly often. I mean, people have been talking about Salvador Perez in his Hall of Fame case. It's like, nah, man, like he's like 31 years old. It's He would have to really do this for a long, long time. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but Buster Posey was always there, uh, which is what I like about him. On top of the MVPs, he's had some great moments uh, in the playoffs. Heck, he in, he was responsible for a new rule being implemented with, uh, you know, tackling the catchers at home plate, which I never understood because this isn't football. Uh, he has that. You know, he has uh, what else does this guy have? He has great commercials. He has one of my favorite Buster Posey moments is actually when the infamous the the the, the crook known as Hunter Strickland intentionally uh, threw at Bryce Harper. And Buster Posey just kind of stood there and was like, what are we doing, man? That's one of my favorite Buster Posey moments. Because that, like, if Buster Posey is kind of backing you up, it, there's a good chance you might be in the wrong. And that's just how I saw him. So, like, that's what I like about Buster Posey is he's a guy that you know, was at the top of his position for a very long time. MVP, which is harder to do at catcher, or at least very hard to do at catcher, um, considering that you won't have, like you said, the counting stats that some other players will have. Um, and champion rookie of the year he has the moments he has the repertoire and those things matter um for sure when it comes to the hall of fame case and some people would argue the the period maybe he didn't play as long as other players but still like every year except maybe like what 2018 2019 i forgot which year it was that he was a little down when he was heading towards the joe mauer route where it was like oh this guy has no power whatsoever there was a little bit brief period there but for the most part you were always taking Buster Posey, and that matters. That basically every you can't find a guy, or a person, or a gal that would take uh, another catch over Buster Posey for the most part. Maybe except for a couple of real Muto years, but and who was Jonathan Lucroy at one point? Yadier Molina, maybe for the defensive side of things, you could argue maybe. But even then, man, I mean Buster Posey, uh, generally one of the best the best catchers that we've seen at least in my lifetime for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Everything you said and more. He's just he did it all and he was the best player on a team that consistently overperformed expectations like yep. you said and just mm -hmm. he was the best player at the position the whole time. And anybody mm -hmm. who says um Yadier Molina is fooling themselves in my opinion. Defense <laughs> Is great, but Posey wasn't bad defensively, and he was so much no. better offensively. No disrespect yep. to Molina. Molina, very good player. Very, very good player. Hall of Fame case himself. But mm -hmm. yeah, Posey was the best catcher in the whole era. And yeah. uh, to me, that's like the definition of a, of a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, he was good on all sides of things. You know what else is good when it comes to everything, Ben? Bet online. That's right. Add transition time. We're back in better than ever. A new web interface for the 
start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the ball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. But of course, it's not just basketball and football, guys. It's just that baseball isn't in session right now, but they've got you covered with baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC. They'll probably give you Oscars bets whenever that stupid award show starts ringing its head around the corner. Uh, Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 and eventually 2022 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. And of course, thank you everybody for making Lockdown Padres and Lockdown Giants your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on, on all platforms. Here's a little bit deeper into the We Hall of Fame. Because this is a it's an issue that kind of it's no no maybe issue isn't the right way to say it. It's just every there's always this like kind of yearning for people to say that a player is overrated or vice versa. You know what I mean? There's always this kind of I mean, we see it with Jeter all the time, and I, I can't stand it. I'm like losing my my mind with the Jeter discourse. Thank God that's done. Hopefully we won't talk about it again. He's in the Hall of Fame. We're done. He was a great player. Oh, he was a bad def- Okay, yeah, we know. Okay, great. I looked up baseball reference too. He was a bad defender, uh, but he was an incredible hitter and he was consistent. What do you think is kind of something that people get the most wrong in general about the Hall of Fame? There's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that to... was a pretty loaded question. That's true. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Where do I begin? Kind of, I mean, I think that one of the things that people have to remember is that the base is a little bit different in respect to that players who do things for a longer time, it usually carries more weight to it because we've seen so many guys be incredible for three years. We've seen Troy Tulowitzki be unquestionably the best stop in baseball. And then just kind of falls off and teeters away. And and there is is that what is who is that right there? Is that, oh, that's the freak. There you go. You have yeah. the freak. He was great. Was, and then he fizzled out. No doubt. He's not a Hall I of mean, Famer, but he won the two Cy Youngs. He was the best pitcher mm-hmm. in the game for a like three year period there, and it was awesome, but he's not a Hall of so Famer because it was so he didn't do it long enough. But I think still that's great. one of the I things mean, we get wrong. Great mm-hmm. giant, but but there's I think there's we, uh, um, criteria yeah i think that we kind of it's okay if players are really great instead of hall of fame i think that sometimes we i mean with with tim lincecum of course who who was the freak thing and first of all he's so memorable so many people know my friends knew who tim lincecum was a genuine like star that kind of transcended the sport and sense of being like this skater dude who's like eating who's just like throwing like a beast like i love that i love that he had a personality and kind of this allure him but he's a hall of famer no but he's a super memorable player i think that for sometimes we forget that that's okay salvador perez it's okay that we're just gonna remember him as a very memorable player at least most likely unless he does what he did this year every single year with slightly better defense for the remainder of his career then maybe we'll have a, that would be incredible if he pulled like a nelson cruz and got better with age but you know, for the most part, it's okay to just remember Salvador Perez as a great player. I think this is where the kind of disconnect happens, where people look at these guys. Yeah, well, you know, Tim Anderson had a better year than Jeter did. It's like, okay, cool. That's great. It's just that he did it for so long. There is value. Like, you can't tell me as, you know, from the statistical standpoint, you can't tell me there's not value in a team being that we had our shortstop who could hit 
for like 20 years. You can't tell me, oh yeah, of course A-Rod would have been better at some points. Of course uh, Troy Sulewitzki would have been better at points, but we never had to worry about that. He was just there, and that matters for something. And I think that's one thing that people get wrong a lot of times. And from the Giants' perspective, the thing that always comes to mind when you're talking about the Hall of Fame is Barry Bonds, who has been Mm -hmm. on the ballot, of course, for nine years, and this is his final year coming up of eligibility, and I have zero expectation that he's going to get in because he hasn't really gotten all that close. Mm -hmm. And so for Giants fans, the, the Hall of Fame discussion always kind of begins and ends with Barry Bonds. And I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong about it, but Mm -hmm. if I had a vote, I would vote him in. Am I biased? Of course I am, because I grew (laughs) up a Giants fan. But, I mean, the performance is just absurd. And absurd is not even an appropriate word if you look at the performance of Barry Bonds. Um, But did PEDs probably play a role? Yes, of course. But that whole era was defined by PED use. And so I, I just can't get on board with, like, picking and choosing who we think was using and Mm -hmm. i don't know just the the writers kind of playing moral police it's tough it's a tough thing and i i kind of respect yeah like because i also understand the the perspective of not wanting to reward guys who were not playing it clean but also again the era And, and then it part of it has to be personality because there's guys that probably were using but maybe you were more likable yeah. to the media and they <laughs> yeah. get in no problem. And so mm-hmm. that to me is what, what people get wrong. I don't know quite what the answer is. Uh, another guy for giants fans is Jeff Kent. Um, mm-hmm. I think Kent was a great player, but uh, he just doesn't get the support that he needs. And I think that there's a case that he's not a hall of famer and there's a case that he is. So around the hall of fame, those are always the two guys who, have come up for me kind of in my lifetime of following this. Uh, but then of course, Posey is just for me, like going to be the the one guy who, who finally yeah. does get in, in a giant's uniform, however long it's been since they last had one. Mm-hmm. Probably won't be like a first ballot thing. And I'm not necessarily saying he should be, um, but granted that's a whole nother dimension of this. Like the baseball hall of fame is so messed up that like, like Mariano Rivera was the first person to ever make it unanimously. And I need people to understand that means that Hank Aaron, that there were people who were like, no. And that right there, I think encapsulates a lot of the issues with the hall of fame. There's too many different think places. Well, it's okay to think differently, but there's, it's just like, bro, we can't agree on uh, uh, Hank Aaron. I, I mean, it's just like he's one of the greats ever, like a top five player in the history of baseball. Nobody's, a, oh, well, he didn't have that one crazy Bryce Harper. I don't care. The guy hit every single year without fail. Like, that's insane. And I think that that's one of the issues is that you have these weird, there's older people. You know, you have this, I mentioned the Oscars and the ad read. The Oscars, like they have that problem of not having a diversified enough body. And then it's just like, we get biopics and war movies. And it's just like, why is that all of a sudden an Oscar? And this, it's like, why is it that you have to not make it your first year? That's just a very odd sort of thing. Yeah. And with the steroid era, I agree hundred percent. I think the very tricky thing is like what you said, which is, you know, we're picking and choosing. I, I mean, do we know, not to bash the Orioles, but do we like know, know that Cal Ripken played how many games consecutively and he didn't do anything? <laughs> like he didn't do anything. And by Again, the way, not to accuse, I don't care but if yeah. he did. I don't care do if he did. Do we know? No. It's still incredible. I think that 
that's that's my big issue, right? And and how do we know that someone in the Hall of Fame didn't use steroids? Do we know, know, know that? I don't necessarily know on top of the fact that you could get in all the you know semantics of the fact that they had this survey that started all the steroid era in the first place where they're like, we just want to know. And then the survey, of course, leaks. And then everybody knows. Then you have the A-Rod. Then you have David Ortiz, who is a legend, by the way, David Ortiz. Let, let me be very clear. David Ortiz said, I don't know where this came from. I'll get back to you basically when I find out. And then never got back to it. And he's probably going to make the Hall of Fame now. So that just kind of leads to the, this, this situation. So I think it's not only just the weird voting habits that members of the Hall of Fame have. I think it's okay to have different mindsets i think it's okay if someone's like I, I don't know if buster posey's there yet for me and then you know then they have him in and whatnot but then you have the issue of just the the inconsistency and the fact that i think a lot of people forget that there's a lot of great players and i think it should be pretty hard to make the hall of fame i mean you're supposed to be some of the greatest players ever my issue with the nba right now is that it's just everybody's making the hall of fame you had four great years great you're in the hall of fame kyle lowry you're in there you had a great run and you were a pretty good player you're in the hall so I think that that's I think it should be very difficult to make the Hall of Fame, but I don't know if using these moral codes are necessarily the way to go, although I don't necessarily feel strongly about it. That's just how I feel. But before we kind of oh, wait, I just realized we don't have another ad that we have to do. How about that? How about that? This is what happens when you're in the offseason, folks. How about that? So let's just let's just continue talking. So this year, Hall of Fame ballots, they were just released to names on here. Um, names that are going to be discussed ad nauseum. I'm actually going to bring it up really quickly because I don't have it in front of me because I'm an idiot. Um, if I could find it, there we go. So, I mean, there's a bunch of names on here. Bobby Abreu, Barry Bonds, Michael Bourne, Mark Burley, Marlon Bird, Roger Clemens, Coral Corp, Coco Crisp, which is wild. I, I had no idea that Coco Crisp was going to be on here. Jeff Kent, like you mentioned before, Tim Lincecum, Justin Morneau, David Ortiz, like I mentioned. Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Jimmy Rollins, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa. You guys can all look them up if you want. But I wanted to just ask you this because this is going to be easily the worst Hall of Fame discourse I think uh, we've had in a while. Last year was already nightmarish. You had Kurt Schilling going off and saying, get me off the ballot. I don't want to be on there anyway. I think I'll go into this um, since I'm comfortable talking about this for sure. When people bring up now the character clause and stuff like that. This is where a lot of the inconsistencies come in. And Kurt Schilling is kind of the poster boy for that, right? Kurt Schilling is a, a really bad human being. I don't think I'm supposed to disagree on that. Uh, he's had a lot of really awful things that he said. At the same time, he was a really great pitcher. And if you want to do the narrative stuff, he was a part of the 2004 Red Sox, the whole bloody sock thing. One of the most, you know, impressionable like kind of moments in baseball history, really for them breaking the curse and et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, it's just, it's always been weird to me. We got to decide one way or another, right? Is it that steroids are the thing? Is it that being a piece of crap human is a thing? Is it that you're just like, I'm judging baseball, maybe put something on the plaque? I don't know. I just think that, and and, and let's not, I don't want to, I almost feel like I shortchanged. Like, so I've heard some people say before, they're like, well, you know, just because Kurt Schilling rubbed you the wrong way. It's like, no, 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 no. This isn't Russell Westbrook, who at the media is like, he gives you some lip back for a question that might be a little bit dumb. No, this is a guy who's like buying Nazi memorabilia, right? This is a guy who's been racist, homophobic, transphobic. That's a little bit different saying that journalists should be hanged from trees, all sorts of things, right? My issue is that you, you can't brush that off as it's easy for some people to say that more than others, right? You know, so so some people in the media who are, who are white and they're like, oh yeah, I just rubbed you the wrong way. Gross. All right, easy for you to say, right? But then also 
you can't then have people in the writing community, in the baseball writing community, who don't vote for him once because of what he said about journalists, but then they vote for him the next year. So it's just it's just this whole cavalcade of nonsense that's going on right now where it's like, I want Kurt Schilling in, and he can't have him, even though his numbers, I mean, can we just put a little note? Can we just put a little thing there? I don't know. I respect a lot of different approaches on this, but oh, go ahead. You just lifted your hand. You, sir, in the back. Yeah, I just go have to say about that. <laughs> like the thing that gets me or that makes me feel like I would be fine with voting for Bonds is that nobody is going to forget about the controversy. It's like yeah. we all know the story and it's <laughs> going to be passed down from generation to gener- exactly. generation. I don't foresee there ever being a time when people remember Barry Bonds, say like 50 years from now. And people are talking about Barry Bonds, whether he's in the Hall of Fame or not, people will know the story because it's not just going to go away, the history there. And I don't know. I understand in some ways, like if you did, like if you, in this day and age with all the testing and stuff, if you got caught, especially like multiple times, I can see that being something that would make me not vote for a guy. But the thing is, that was not happening at that time. They were not doing the type of testing they're doing now. Bonds was never, he never had a dirty test. I'm not here denying that he did it, but I'm saying it wasn't the same as it is now. And so, yeah, but then the the character stuff, it, it gets all confusing and, and, and I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. And like you said, there's there's voters who maybe have been out of touch for a long time who still have a Hall of Fame vote, and that plays a role. So people getting like older and then maybe a newer generation coming in is going to change the way people vote. So one thing that I don't like is that there's a limit on how many players you can vote for in a given year. And kind of the, I think you're muted, um, and kind of the, uh, the the gymnastics that have to go into figuring out how to how to work out your ballot uh, as Javi tries to get his microphone back on live. Um, that's that's one thing that I've never understood. I don't totally understand why not just be able to vote for as many players as you want. Like in a given year, if there is 20 guys that you think are Hall of Fame worthy, the fact that you're limiting me to 10 votes to me, doesn't really make any sense at all. Yeah. I mean, and now that I'm back online after, for some reason, they're trying to silence me, Ben. That They don't <laughs> cancel the truth. Uh, yeah, 100%. I think that the, the voting, the amount of people is weird. Um, and, and, the, and the character thing, I will say this. Some people are always saying, I, and again, I really have gone back. I'm not going to say whether or not I want Schilling in the Hall of Fame. I'm just not going to. I, I honestly haven't made up my mind that I'm I don't care. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I almost don't care. Like, whatever he doesn't make, it, I'm not going to be unhappy. But it's just kind of some people say, well, Ty Cobb made it. So why can't this guy? Well, this one guy who is, it's also fair to say that we grow as a human race. That we're like, you know what? Actually, now we are going to start taking these things to an account. I respect that opinion, even if I disagree with it a little bit, because then I think you get a little bit of slippery slope. But again, I don't mind that too much. Um, I tend to go with the opinion of Mina Kimes, who you might be familiar with, but she's more football, where her take was referring um, to Kurt Schilling, which I think you could also refer to Barry Bonds, is that there's no easy way to fix this. There's no easy way to fix the fact that baseball had this period. They had this period that was really messed up. 
in terms of just, you know, judging statistics and how much of it was it real. You had the documentary that came out, you know, last summer, Long Gone Summer, which I thought was meh, to be honest with you, because it tried to pretend that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, that the most interesting about them was a home run race. It's like, what, let's do an hour and 45 minutes on the home run race. And then the last 15, we'll talk about the steroids. It's like, it's like doing a, a documentary on Watergate and then leaving the last 15 minutes or doing a documentary on Reagan, but then leaving Watergate for the last five minutes. It's like, what are you doing? Like, this is what they're known for. Right. But I'd say that, you know, what she said was basically they make the Hall of Fame, whether or not you put something on the plaque is up to everybody else. But you can't go to the ceremony. If you're Kurt Schilling, you can't go up there and give a speech because you have crossed a certain line of just respectability among your peers uh, of just being this really heinous person. Maybe you see that for bonds too, where it's like, well, you have this steroid thing looming over you. So you don't get that big presentation hall, but they kind of just kind of, you're there, you're just there. And you know, everybody, we can pass it down to our kids and grandchildren and everything and be like, yeah, here's what happened. I think that there's some level of everybody knows the history. You know what I'm saying? And then of course, what you said about the number of people that you could vote in, that becomes a whole nother issue too, uh, where, I mean, I can't even get into this of it, but that's like kind of you're just limiting access to the amount of people that can make it in every year. And then you make, you know, this kind of ties into how some people don't vote for guys the first year. Um, again, to tie it back to the Oscars, the Oscars famously, I'm pretty sure have never given best actor or best actress to the person for their best performance. It's always a makeup Oscar. It's like, wait, why did this happen? Why are we late on this? So, yeah, man, it's just a whole a whole can of worms to untangle. What do you think? It really, truly is. And then a couple of other things that I don't like, if I may, is um, the fact that if you don't get a certain percentage of the vote that you fall off the ballot yeah. because people make mistakes. And like you said, there's always people who aren't going to vote for anybody on the first time, except apparently for Mariano Rivera, which I think is funny that a relief pitcher was the first guy to be voted in unanimously. A reliever, like he's great, but he's a relief pitcher and the value, he pitches every other day for one inning versus you know position <laughs> players who are out there 162 games uh hitting 45 home runs like you said with hank aaron makes no sense at all but the fact that there's somebody who kenny lofton i think fell off the ballot after yeah. one year pretty sure and to me is like a borderline hall of fame candidate and when you fa again it's you have to factor in the defense the base running and he could hit and the fact that guys can just fall off like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I guess like you can't have an unlimited, like infinite ballot that people have to parse through every time. So I get that yeah. that would be difficult. You mm. could sort it by previous percentage of votes received, like have new guys at the top and then old guys just show what they got in the last year to make sure that the guys who got very little attention are at the bottom of people's lists. But at the same time, I just don't like that certain players uh, who probably deserve more consideration get uh, get off the ballot. And then the whole you're only eligible for this amount of time and then uh, the limiting the number of players who you can vote for. Like in a given year, if, if there's just a loaded ballot, yeah, it's versus a ballot where there's where there's very little Hall of Fame talent. It's going to change the way people vote. And that just doesn't really make any sense to me. I agree. I agree. And I think that we're going to see what happens this 
this fall. I mean, we're going to get a lot of them. AJ Persinski is another one I forgot to mention. Um, <laughs> that's on the Hall of Fame ballot thing for, oh, for the new one. Giants fans do not like that guy. No, he no, no. Your... I, I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like They traded Joe Nathan for him, and he was just awful. And there's a whole history there, so that's a funny one. Yeah, and then Mark Teixeira is on here. Juan Uribe. Like, it is pretty fun every year to see the new names that like get placed on there just to see if they make it. But, yeah, I think that my in-general takeaway is that the Hall of Fame's a mess. I think that there's no easy way to handle this, and I kind of subscribe to the belief that maybe you don't do this. And I agree with what you said. It's not like we're going to forget. You know what Barry Bonds did? You know what I mean? Do just – it's just too weird. The guy leads in – it's just too odd to pretend this. We don't know who did, who didn't. You know, it's just it's odd, and I would even say that is for for Pete Rose too. I said he's the all time hits leader. I mean, I mean, I think it matters. <laughs> you know what I mean, I know. Oh well, the hits don't matter as much anymore. Okay, but he literally leads all time in hits. Like that means something. That doesn't mean as much as the next guy. I don't know. That's for other people, the the freakalytics crowd, to figure out for me. But that's just me. I think it's going to be pretty nauseating. Uh, the discussion when it when it starts uh coming out when. When David Ortiz makes it, despite the fact that he kind of got caught but then got away with it, sort of, but then Barry Bonds doesn't, and then he's off. I'm telling you, everybody, that's what's going to happen. And when it does happen, make sure to tune in to Ben's podcast when he, I'm sure, goes absolutely berserk, sicko mode, you know, super saiyan on everybody after that kind of happens. But um, Ben, uh, before we go, let me just say, last time, thank you for making Lockdown Padres and Lockdown Giants your hashtag first listen every day now make your second listen locked on mlb prospects host arm layton he is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the mlb stars of tomorrow including one from this fellow's team joey bart probably who's probably going to be the starting catcher maybe i don't know question mark uh it's free and available on all platforms is he going to be the starting catcher for you guys next year good question (laughs) i mean great baseball name i will say that there's some good oh, Simpsons yeah. crossover meme potential too. That that could be fun, but uh, that should be interesting to see how it goes. But Ben, before we kind of wrap things up officially, uh, you got anything else you want to plug? Anything you're working on? Anything going on? Watching cool movies? I don't know. Go for it. Uh, not really, to be honest. <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> no. That's what it? about you? <laughs> Um, yeah i mean i'm playing mario party i'm writing over at i I don't know why i started with that first um i'm i'm planning on writing just a quickie on the padres starting pitching um situation and how badly they need a starting pitcher and i mean that not because i necessarily think they need one but my random new pet peeve is everybody who says we need a starting we need starting pitching it's like yeah so does every team in baseball so i want to break down defcon one to four which one are they at are they at a two are they at a three? Are they at a four? What level do the Padres need to start pitching? As well as doing some off-season kind of previews, looking into free agent stuff over at Just Baseball. You guys should check that out. And then, of course, for the future of this podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, Mr. – what's that dude's name? Hold on. Prospect guy. Keith Law. There we go. Keith Law dropped his top 50 free agents over on The Athletic, and I want to talk about them and give my thoughts on them just because Keith Law is a big name, and I figured I'd – Give my perspective on that list. You have that to look forward to as loyal as a chat. Hopefully with Taylor Blake Ward, um, who is writing a sweet book with a former guy who has a connection to the Padres. 
So that should be a lot of fun. But everybody, I know Ben just said he has nothing going on. You should tune into Locked on Giants, though. He does a really great job. Nothing <laughs> besides that. The show <laughs> yeah. is like, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. Oh, there. okay. Top, okay. Top free agents lists. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of them came out. I didn't. I didn't even. Keith Law wasn't even on my radar because I was looking at ESPN. I was looking yep. at uh, MLB trade rumors and also Fangraphs stuff. Yeah. So all week we're gonna be t- we're gonna be breaking those down because a lot of Giants are on those lists. Chris Bryant. Uh, where yep. does he rank? What kind of contract is he going to get? Kevin Gosman. And there's a lot of variants. It's pretty crazy. Some people have Bryant below yeah, $100 million, I saw that. And somebody has Bryant at $200 million. So a lot to break down there. Absolutely, man. And with that all being said, it's been a blast, dude. This is probably the 85th crossover we've had at this point. Hopefully it came out pretty well. And hopefully the rest of the audience and listeners enjoy it. Until next time. Everybody, stay safe and of course, stay stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.